This podcast episode is brought to you by Uncaged with RobinAnn.com, where virtuous women dominate in purpose, passion, and purity. Tired of being sabotaged by perfectionism and procrastination? Finding it hard to focus on one thing long enough to make real progress? Ready to do whatever it takes to get that passion project done? Then the Women Who Finish 40-Day Devotional book is for you. In this book, Robin Ann coaches you through mindset shifts to fulfill God's call in your life and truly harness your ability to finish what you start instead of feeling stuck and frustrated with where you are. Get your devotional book now at robinann.com forward slash IG. politics. It's hard to be strategic if you don't know the latent biases, favoritisms, and really just how decisions get made in corporate America. For me, you have to find safe people to talk to as a soundboard about office dynamics to help you understand what's really going on in your workplace. My encouragement is to always seek networks to help you flourish at your job and Black Career Women's Network is one of those places. In this episode, I interview Miss Sherry Sims, career strategist, speaker, and founder of Black Career Women's Network Online. Listen in to her insights about office politics and being strategic at your job. All right. Miss Sherry Sims, so grateful to have you on the She Ventures Now podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have done my due diligence. I have, I'm about to sign up as part of your network and I'm really excited to have you on as a guest um, and talk about upgrading your career. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Before I begin, I want to allow for a space. I always do this for my guests. Allow for a space for you to just describe who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, I am actually a mom first. I do. I am an empty nester. Can I, I can't believe that I'm saying that, um, but it's true. But I also am an HR professional, professional by trade. Um, I did it for 14, actually 15 years before I made a, a, that shift into career development space. And mm-hmm. it really came about for me wanting to do something different. I discovered career development and then really discovered through that, that women like you and I, black women in the workplace had these different experiences. And when I discovered that, I realized, well, goodness, all the struggles I've had, I was never by myself. There were other women just like me. Yeah. The journey. And so that's really was part of the reason why they started, started to develop BCWN out of wanting to help other black women and let them know they're not alone in this process or this journey of career development or career success. Yes, yes. So much to unpack for any listener that is um, going to be chiming in and listening to the podcast. BCWN stands for Black Career Women's Network. It is her online platform and community that Sherry has built. Um, She is a career strategist. You're a leader. You're an influencer. You're a speaker. You obviously have founded BCWN. And I want to know, what was it about, what like what triggered you in your mind to say, I'm going to create this online community outside of, outside of what you just said, like, what was it? Cause sometimes people start really small. They just have a coaching practice. What made you say, I'm going to create a community and a conferencing, do conferences wow. and webinars. All that it is. I no one's ever asked me in that type of detail. And it really, in the beginning, it really was about the fact that 
I discovered that other black women had the same challenges. And so all I really want to do was just get together and network in the beginning. Yeah. And then it just kind of, and then I just started to realize, oh my gosh, this could be something a lot larger. And, and I, well, I take that back. I really didn't want it to be a national type of community, but I wanted to make sure that I was doing it in my own backyard first. True. I just never wow. imagined how visible it would become or how, you know, how people would really recognize it. And also how much women we are helping across, you know, across the world. You are. So, yeah. I, I mean, that was not the intention, you know, in terms of, I'm just going to help all the black women in the U.S., you know. <laughs> It really was. <laughs> I wanted to raise the level of awareness to let women know they're not alone in this journey. And as time went on, I was ready to find solutions True. about what we can do to change the narrative. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, I have like a standard set of questions, as you know, I already told you about, but I'm going to be veering off of that, that question sheet because I really want to, I want to allow people to hear and listen to this podcast and get to know you, but also get to know BCWN. Some of the noteworthy things mm-hmm. that I, I pulled off your, your sort of mission statement page are about your beliefs, right? Your belief is that you want to change the perception and stereotypes of how black women are perceived in and out of the workplace. I want to talk about that because I think that some of us, I okay. myself, as recent as this year, has, has had to like pinch myself about these perceptions that I was picking up in the workplace about who I am that, have, that all have to do with my skin color, you know? And then secondly, some, something that I saw that was noteworthy is that you all believe BCWN stands on the belief that pulling back the layers of fear and negative self-beliefs Uh, to build confidence so you can define your own career path. I really found these beliefs to be strong and palpable for me as someone who's interested in getting plugged into your community. Um, And then I I love that you guys talk Mm -hmm. about um, challenging workplace issues that can delay you from reaching your full potential. And you started talking about this just a second ago about the key, one of the keys is being aware just aware of these issues, yes. aware of mm-hmm. um, the fact that they're commonplace. They're not localized. It's not unique to any of us. Microaggressions come to mind. Yes. I just saw one of the webinars that your, your mm-hmm. community put on, and I found that to be so helpful. You know? and so I want to ask you yes. just off the top, like, can you talk about some of the actual perceptions that exist in stereotypes of Black women? Let's just start there as a baseline. Oh. I know that's it's commonplace to us Black women, yes. but in case there's a non-Black woman or a non-minority that's going to be listening, I really want to, to allow for this to be a space of just unpacking that. Like, go ahead. No, I think it's necessary to help other non-minorities to recognize that because they, some of them are part of the problem, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's just call a thing a thing, as Ilyana would say. And um, so it's more or less about recognizing, and we just talked about this last night on the microaggressions um, webinar, mm-hmm. about things about even, in, we'll start with something as simple as our natural hair, right? In terms of, I'm gonna ask you about that. I was gonna ask you about it. Yeah, is it yours, or how did you get it so curly, or you know, why do you wear it that way? Um, you know, do you wear weaves? And, and I mean, and again, it's a stereotype, right? It's a stereotype that they assume that we do. And, and here's the assumption: you assume we wear weaves, but you guys also wear them too, <laughs> right? But we yep. do not. We do not ask you: Are your hair is your hair extensions, or is that a curly perm, or do you go get a Brazilian blowout, or what have you? <laughs> we do not ask those types of questions, right? 
So, um, or did you get Botox because your skin is so smooth? I mean, we don't ask those types of questions to them, mm-hmm. even though they are also stereotyped just as much as we are or yeah. any nationality, but mm-hmm. are, you know, yep. it's expected for them to be able to look at us and it's okay for them to make those comments about us when there are stereotypes about them that are also out there, but no one really expresses those to them outside of their own community. Right. So um, there is a double standard. Yeah. And I think that it, it's, it's a, it is a perception that it's okay for us to make these comments about you, but you can't say those things about, about us. And so um, that's where, to me, where we draw the line in terms of, okay, well, if we're going to play this way, all, has, all bets are off. You better be ready to put your put your armor on and take it. <laughs> right, right. So, so there's um, hair, perception about hair. What about personality? Do you feel like there's perceptions about Black women's personality at workplace? I mean, I've had a couple of friends that, you know, new friends, other podcast guests that I've had on, and we've, we've I've been finding such a camaraderie of like, you know, us having the same kind of questions, the second guessing of like, am I coming off too strong? Do they think I'm too powerful or too strong or too... Um, uh, I don't even under, I, sometimes well, I, 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 I get what you're saying. It, it definitely is something where we are very mindful or try to be as mindful as we can in how we communicate at work, um, how yeah. we show up, what we say, how we say it, um, excuse me, our body language, right? Yeah. Um, all, all of these things we try to stay very mindful of in the workplace because we do not want to be perceived a certain way. Yeah. But then again, it always comes back to, again, things like the media that have, to me, have a responsibility to show us in the right light. Um, And we get television has a way to create fantasy. We get that. But that may be okay for certain nationalities. But for us, it can do a lot of harm to us as as the average working African-American person overall. It can do a lot of damage to, to us and what we have to, we have to fight that media image because that's what they're showing. Absolutely. then they're not seeing it from that perspective. So for me, a lot of times, you know, and you know the old saying, when you know better, you do better, right? Yep. That may not be their case. And sometimes they just do not know. And unfortunately, yeah. we are the ones when we experience these things, we have to learn how to communicate with the right intention and communicate with empower and to empower ourselves to help them to recognize what you're saying is not correct. What you're saying is making me feel uncomfortable. Let me tell you really how it is, <laughs> for real. And this is how you probably should, you know, how you should address it moving forward. Yeah. And um, I think the conversation is more uncomfortable for them than it is for us. But we look at it as, I don't want to make waves. I don't want anybody to retaliate against me. I still want my job. Or I don't want to be perceived as someone who's coming off as an angry Black woman. Angry, you what you're it. doing is teaching you you're standing up for yourself. Yeah. And I talk about six different times in your career where you have to, as a black woman, you must stand up for yourself. Yep. And when you are experiencing a microaggression, that is one of the times that you do. Now, how you do that is with, if someone says something to you specifically, what you do is explain to them, you know, for example, if someone says to me, well, you know, Sherry, I love your hair when you, when you wear it straight versus how you wear it now. Well, why? Why do you like it straight versus me wearing a natural <laughs> Have you had somebody say that to you? Never. <laughs> I've, I've, no. I've, had, I've had friends say this. 
I've had friends, yeah. Yeah. no one in the workplace. Well, sorry, pause. Mm-hmm. Uh, not directly, because I wear my hair straight. I'm natural, but I don't, but I, I like to wear my hair up off of my shoulders. When yeah. I wear it down, I get compliments. Yeah. And I know why the compliments mm-hmm. are there. I get it, <laughs> but yeah. I, uh, I've never had it at the work. But sometimes we, you have to, you have to, you have to, it's not, it's a way you can call them out and be respectful. For sure. What you're yeah. doing is you're challenging, you're challenging the conversation, right? You're challenging yeah. them and saying, well, why? Why, why you don't like, why do you not like my hair like this? And yeah. then it's like, well, then there's the stereotype, there's the bias. So we have to come across as, and then again, if it's something, if, if, a, if a coworker or someone was being in, in that workspace is being disrespectful, yeah. you have two options. You can either address it head on, yeah. right? Or you can address it and then make sure that you go back and, and tell your immediate supervisor you just had this conversation and that that way it can be duly noted. Wow. So yeah. you have to be very strategic in how you go about communicating because, again, it goes back to you can't bring HR into every situation. And sometimes it really is just about you having being equipped with the right tools to know how to communicate and manage your emotions and then being helping someone under or someone else who is a non-minority to understand the differences. Good. I like this. I want to circle back to um, six ways to support yourself when you, or six ways to stand up for yourself. Yes. Uh, yes when you're when facing article, the- I wrote an article called six ways to stand up for uh, six times you need to stand up for yourself and communicate with power. So, um, and you, you want to recap that-, that just, just in case anyone who hasn't read it. <laughs> Um, If you don't remember it all, that's fine. No, I can give you maybe three of them that I remember that I wrote. One was, again, about um, if you have a rude or disrespectful coworker. Mm -hmm. And what I talk about is what you can do and what you should do, how you should handle it and what you should do. And then one, the other is if you experience a microaggression Mm -hmm. or bias. Mm -hmm. And then the the other time is when, if you're overlooked for a promotion. Ooh, really quickly for those people who can't, who not familiar with the term microaggression. Can you define that for me? Oh, did you hear that? Absolutely. A, micro, a microaggression is a, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now okay. I can. Okay. Microaggression is a slight, a comment uh, or a behavior that is either unconsciously or subconsciously, um, you know, thrust upon you again. A perfect example of that is when, when a lady asked about, you know, if you wear, why, you, you know, I love where you, when you wear your hair straight versus curly, or why do you wear your hair curly? Okay. Right. It's like, well, why? What's the, what's really, what, what are you really trying to ask? Yeah. Um, ask me. Or yeah. if someone says, well, Sherry, you're really not black. What does that mean that I'm really not black? <laughs> I've had someone ask me before. Now I've had someone ask me, I mean, I've had someone say that to me before. Sherry, you're really not black. Last yeah. time I checked, I got quite a bit of melanin in my skin. So I don't know what it, you know, why you don't think I am. Yeah. So those, those are things that are considered microaggressions. Or if you're in a meeting and someone says, well, you know, um, just give it to Danielle because, you know, you know, uh, you know, her kind, they're always quick to get an attitude anyway. You know, you get what I'm saying? So things that can be, they can be blatant or unblatant. They can be conscious, unconscious. But again, if it's something that makes you sit and think, did they really say that? Did yeah. they just really say that? Yep. If you're questioning the comment, if you're questioning um, the statement, anything that's referencing that and makes you feel uncomfortable, 
um, in terms of, did they really say that to me? Or if you feel a certain way emotionally or feel offensive or offended, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a microaggression. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy because there's a, there's a part of me that as an emerging, well, as a young professional woman and navigating the workplace, navigating corporate America, navigating uh, being in places where it's, again, it's predominantly white uh, Mm -hmm. context. I've never wanted to be somebody who was always uh, quick to be racially aware of when something is unjust, like quick to, I just didn't want to be that person. And then I realized how important it was for me to be equipped and aware when people, these things occur, because then I could manage my emotions better and I knew how to respond. But mm-hmm. I still find myself, even at this age, still find myself ill-equipped or surprised when these microaggressions happen. And I'm like, do they not see? Do they not know? And it's like, no, they don't. Some right. of them, they really just don't. That's it. Like they it's, literally- it's just as simple as that. It, yes, it's as simple as that. It's sometimes they just do not know. And the best thing that you can do for yourself when you are in a work environment is to be very observ- observant yep. and aware of what's going on around you. The more you pay attention to the culture of your workplace, yeah. the easier it would be for you to recognize specific, the specific things. This, you know, and what I'm talking about are the workplace norms, the hidden workplace rules. Yep, culture. Yeah, the culture, things that you're not really following or kind of, you know, also duplicating as they do, they will make you, again, it brings attention to you and you stick out more like a sore thumb, if that makes sense. No, this is helpful. I think think that's very helpful to reiterate, um, especially because you, you brought it up just a second ago. I think there is a stereotype of the angry black woman Mm-hmm. And I also feel like I have a theory for why this woman is angry all the time. <laughs> this theoretical, you know, stereotype. Because we, I, I think, my opinion is, Sherry, is that we are very socially intelligent and aware of what's going on and have, in some ways, a right to feel a little angry sometimes about situations that arise. And it's like, we get, we get, the unjust hand of the situation. You know what I mean? That's my theory. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, no, I think your theory is right. And so, and I'm going to take it back a little bit old school too, in, in, in a way that as black women, we do carry a lot, right? Mm. We are, are in our culture. When we have a lot of our African-American men are incarcerated. Yeah. Um, we are, a lot of us are the breadwinners of our households um, or caregivers for our parents. Um, or single parents, or divorced, or whatever the situations are, um, we are not just the most highly educated group of women in the country for nothing, right? Come on, Sherry, tell the world. We're not. We are, we, because we are ambitious for a couple of reasons, and this goes back to even after um, slavery was abolished, and you had Black women who were leaving their children behind with whomever and going into uh and and working with white um white women in the feminist movement and they were they were really maneuvering that so they can leverage that to so they can elevate their families at home right so we knew we could go in and we had the the an end to do that yeah so we've always found a way to make things work 
And so again, we're not we're not just the most educated group of women in the country for, for nothing. nothing. Come on. Um, there, and it's not about everybody wants to be ambitious and, and make six figures and want to drive a Mercedes. Right. It's not even all really about that. It's about well, yeah. how can I leverage this and have the best life I can for myself, my family, um, or, who, yeah. or whomever. And so, again, you're right. It is about having that, that, that awareness yeah. um, that we subconsciously don't realize that we, we've, under, we've understood racism from birth, if you think yeah. about it. It's, yeah. it's kind of born into... Yeah, our, our our being, and so we and a lot of us probably have been called the N word before we were the age ten, before we were age ten. Yeah, at, at least once. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and so with that with that being said, you and you have most of us have had grandparents or parents who have had discussions about racism with us, or if not, we've we've seen it or experienced it in some form or fashion, and even you've probably even experienced it in your education growing up in your from, oh, for sure. from one through 12 you've experienced racism of some sort or stereotypes of some sort so yeah. it's just been there all the time for us yeah now it's funny because i think i feel like we did what i've always wanted to do is just like jump into the juice of everything <laughs> that you're about now i want to kind of peel it back a little bit and yeah. ask some questions just some baseline questions about who you are sherry how did you become you like, how did this happen? How did you become you? I mean, I know your professional bio and, and sort of like your glow up and, and your years of experience. But the reason I asked that question is, is sort of like, I don't know if you listen to other podcasts, but like Guy Raz has a podcast called How I Built This. And really he talks about, he talks to successful entrepreneurs, millionaires and billionaires about their story, like before they became who they are now. And that's my question to sort of kind of get you yeah. before, before you start a BCWN, like, how did you become you? Were you always sort of, you know, a community builder? Were you someone who was always, you know, sort of mentoring others? Because what I love about your organization is, is that's, that's literally what I sense. It's like a big support system for black women. Yeah. And I, I, I've known probably since I was maybe 10 years old, that I was a late bloomer. That makes sense. I knew I would, I knew I would be, I knew early on that I was going to be someone who would probably find success later in life versus early on. Really? Um, don't ask me how I knew that. I just kind of felt it. And yes. And so, um, and then my journey, um, it, it kind of took, it, it took a while to, it took a while to get here. But what I came to discover is that there were so many, I always was going through my career in HR and even jobs I had way before, because I developed a career in HR. I was 30, 31, when I actually had a, a real career, <laughs> you know, I went through my 20s just trying to find my way. Yeah. It's kind of funny. So, it, sounds, it sounds like my life right now. <laughs> and I went through my 20s just trying to find my way and I had gotten married and divorced and I was a single mom and I found my career later on, but even during the entire time that, um, that I was in HR, I really felt as if I still had something in me that was trying to come out, Yeah, you know, um, and I didn't know what that was. And so after being in HR for a long time, I said, God, there's got to be something else I can do besides this. There has to be. Yeah. So, um, and uh, maybe probably about six, six or seven years prior to me leaving the business, um, I had moved back home to my hometown and I wanted to meet some new people. And so I started an organization I had found online and they said, we can create a chapter. So I created a trap chapter, the social community called sister friends. Yeah. And just so I can just have some kind of camaraderie with women in my home 
town. Yeah. And then I, I discovered things about myself. I didn't know. I didn't know I had leadership ability. I didn't know I was so, I knew I was a creative because I can sew, I play instruments. I, you know, I, yeah. I decorate. I have a, I knew I had a creative side since childhood, but I didn't know I was a leader. I didn't know that I really knew how to lead women and influence. And so interesting. And so I learned that about myself back then. And then I was called to come on the radio and talk about my organization. I was so scared. I said, I can't do that. Are you crazy? I can't get on the speak. No way. And I, I did it and was nervous. And then I disbanded the group because I really wanted to focus. I was taking too much time from being a mother and I just left it alone. And then years later, when um, BCWM was developed, then I started to also see gifts that, and I said, oh, wow, things start coming very naturally. Speaking in public, presenting, um, all these things just really came natural. Wow. Yeah. And so I started to recognize that this is what I was meant to do. This is yeah. what, and I knew it innately. I knew this was, was going to be my legacy and what I was going to leave behind. I love it. I love yeah. it. The levels of support that you guys offer on BCWN's platform, mm-hmm. career central resources, opportunities for mentorship, career coaching, and online community. I mean, you guys are like the consummate, like the real deal paragon of support. Like, love what you guys are doing. Love what you yeah, do. Yeah, and I, I designed it because in my mind, I said, as a Black career woman, mm-hmm. what would I want? If I found this website, what would I need? What would I be looking for? Yeah. And so that's really try, how I try to, to uh, continue to e- make sure it emerges and it involves into something that could be not a one-stop shop, but definitely somewhere where you can get more than just one thing that you need. For sure. I, um, I want to praise you even more <laughs> in more detail of what you've built, because one of the things that, that I have found myself wanting to add to my legacy and, and be a part of is acti- actually offering practical advice as opposed to just... Um, the, the, the blanket statement of being a women's empowerment coach. Mm-hmm. Like I really want practical advice because I feel like uh, women don't need to be motivated anymore. They need, we need practical advice. Like, we need yes. practical concrete steps that get us from point A to, to yes. point B. And that's mm-hmm. what I see in BCWN. This is like the free resources that you guys offer, the downloadables, the opt-ins, the community, you're really not trying to make it hard to get what we need and get to the next no, level. Like no. now I found that to be so impressive because the, the webinar that, w- that was just passed, I unfortunately couldn't attend it, attend it, but it was on microaggressions. And literally I have instances at work that I'm facing right now. It's mm-hmm. microaggressions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is exactly what I needed about a month ago when I was trying to have a conversation with my supervisor about, you know, how he approached me. And I'm just, I'm, I'm finding myself like in awe and really impressed and humbled that you guys you're an oasis. <laughs> you, what you've offered is an oasis of support. So I have some questions from your podcast that I was listening to, and I want to I wanna dive into it because your podcast really um, is amazing. I know, I don't know if you continue it now or you- Well, you I'm working, I've recorded some new episodes, but I haven't downloaded them yet because I keep getting people asking me, when are you going to record a new one? I'm like, I need to do that. So- yeah. I recorded three new episodes I'll be adding. So Yeah. And it's funny because I wrote some questions on you've already answered them. It's like we talked about natural hair up front. We talked about microaggressions. <laughs> but the story that you gave, like, see, here's the thing. And this is you are a natural at speaking, because you gave this story. It was such a salient story. You um you gave a four-week notice and then you had your manager allow you to take uh your final two weeks off, or at least your manager came back and said, actually, hey, you don't have to stay for the next four weeks. <laughs> 
just yep. let it leave, basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you know that that was a slight, and then you had to call the CEO. The CEO straightened out and allowed you to get paid for the, the latter part of your four weeks. Yes. Did you feel that was a microaggression? Did you feel that was a microaggression? Yes, and I think I tried to make sure I was clear. It was my manager who who came to me and said, you know, you because they would kept asking me for this report, and I gave it to him. I said, okay, you did a great job. Just you know, enjoy your two weeks before you start your new job. Well, it was her manager, which is the oh, HR okay. director over right. the entire department, was okay. the one that said to, that, you know, she needs to go. And I figured it out because when I got home, I said, that didn't feel right. I felt like I packed up my desk like I was being fired, right? And yeah. that's what it felt like. Yeah. And then when I got the reply back in the email, it wasn't from my manager. It was from the director saying, that they were not going to pay me for two weeks because she said that they tried to call me over the weekend. They couldn't get a hold of me and that I, they felt like I had checked out. And I thought to myself, that's bull crap because my manager just said, Hey, you did a great job. Enjoy your next two weeks, you know, et cetera. And I said, I'm not going to play this game. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to rebuttal that with you guys. I'm going to call the CEO. And that's exactly what I did. (laughs) exactly and it's it's, you know I want to ask these kind of questions to you because I feel like a veteran in the HR industry you know (laughs) on this podcast right now it's the time to maximize I I always wonder to myself and I know there's other women that wonder this is there's a delicate balance between being equipped and standing up for yourself and being extra sensitive Mm -hmm. and I want to know how do you make sure that you're not being extra sensitive and like, cause, cause for me, I, 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 uh, not every battle is worth it, right? Like every, everything is not worth contesting. So how do you know, like, what is some, what are some practical tips you can share on this podcast of just like knowing which one, which battle to fight, right? Like which, uh, obviously when coins are on the line, <laughs> yeah, I can- yeah, I would say, well, there's a couple of things that have to take place, right? Yeah. One is you have to know who you are. Yeah. And I'm very big on you understanding who you are as a professional. You know, I can ask you all day who you are from a personal standpoint, but can you explain to me who you are as a professional? Right. What do you stand for? What are your values? Um, what are your, what are your, do, your deal breakers in the workplace? You know, and so those are the things that you have to be clear about. Another is confidence in knowing and being aware of who you are and how things work in, in the workplace. You, you have to have confidence. And I'm going to use what, what the um, HR director had done to me. If yeah. I did not feel like I value what I brought to the table in that, in that position, right? Or yeah. what I had, the work that I had done to the intensity, the level that I did it, um, and, and that I value myself as a professional um, and recognize when someone is being disrespectful and not honoring and respecting you, then you're gonna, you're gonna look at that as they're the director and I am this manager and that they have power over me. And so what they say goes and I have no, I have no power, no recourse for anything. Yeah. So it's about how you feel about yourself. It's right. You know, Oh, absolutely. Resonates so much. You know, I think one of the things that has empowered me in the last two years, besides just doing personal development and taking that, like, I think it's very empowering when you do the work of getting to know yourself and building up yourself and not needing Mm -hmm. external validation all the time. That, that stuff really does 
you reap yeah. the benefit when you're in professional settings, when you've done the personal development homework, right? And so for me, when I hear you say, you got to know yourself, you got to know who you are professionally and what you value. For me, I have found in my life that I can push back respectfully because I'm not needing someone to agree with me. <laughs> like I, no. I don't need them to, be, I don't need people to, I, I don't need to be afraid of someone disagreeing with me. I don't need to be afraid of people's titles. I don't need to be afraid of people's tenures. Like, and I don't say that to sound uh, flippant about people's titles and reputations. I say that because I think a lot of times people try us. They do. <laughs> Women, they and do. not only on a sexist level, but on a, a racial level. And, and just in general, sometimes people can be flippant about power. You know, they can, they can request things of you that yeah. they're not willing to step themselves up to. And it's like, well, let's, let's talk about this, you know? So I really appreciate your affirmation about like, deciding on what to put your foot down about even if it's you know even if it could come off as like you're being extra sensitive mm -hmm. i have found that people don't even receive feedback because half the time people are afraid you know or they people don't deal with it so i'm i'm finding myself um being affirmed in what you're saying though now and here's two things i want to make sure that that the the people who are listening to your podcast think about one is specifically that we do have to show up a certain way. Yeah. In a way that lets them know they can't play with you, right? Yeah. And then the next thing is you have to remember that you the only validation that you should expect to receive is when that job offer is made to you. And the reason why I say that is the first and last time you should be asking for validation is because, yeah. you know, they chose you over all the other candidates and said you are the best person for this job. Mm -hmm. That's all the validation you need. Yep. You do not need your manager's validation on a weekly one-on-one -on -one basis when you go in for your one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you know, your, and your annual review should not be a time for you looking to expect praise for your performance. You should be strategically utilizing that to negotiate your salary, negotiate for promotion, or just to, to build your portfolio up in a way that's going to keep you marketable for the next role. Yeah. So we have to learn how to be to be really strategic in how we view our careers and not look at us or look at our careers as validation as who we are. Because if that job is stripped away, you still need to be able to find who you are regard without that. Sherry, I think you're preaching at this point. I think you're preaching. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think you're preaching? Because I think a little the choir bit. wants to sing a song. <laughs> I think. But <laughs> it's, it's true, though. Good. I think sometimes we, I think sometimes you, some of us can get caught up in the titles and the money and all those. Oh, things. without a doubt. And we're working in a society where you may not, you, 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 if you think you're accepting a job today and you plan to be there 10 years from now, that more than likely may not happen. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There, yeah. There is a, I'm finding myself accepting more. And just, I think this comes as a coming of age thing. It's not novel. There is a game that is to be played. And I feel like you just gave us the game. You give us the cheat sheet mm -hmm. <laughs> on, on BCWN. You give us yeah, the cheat sheet. Yeah, you have to go in with a strategy. You have to go in. And I have, a, there's a video out there that I've done in, on one of the news stations where I talk about, how you need to create a, a, a expiration date on your job. 
Oh yeah, I saw that. I can't. I really want to. I want to watch that. I love it because I think when you do that, you become more competitive with yourself and and keep. I I think one of the things I love about what you're saying is the expiration date keeps us focused. What matters? What What are we here for? Yeah, you and you you have to. You should be going in about what do I want to accomplish? How do I want to expand my network? What skill set? do I want to gain you know all of these things it's about keeping yourself marketable because if you keep yourself marketable if they if you go to work today and they lay you off tomorrow you've got a strong network you you're making keeping yourself marketable and you won't be out of work long right it, even if you have to relocate to another city you're still marketable yeah so I think we're not we're not strategizing enough when it comes to being very strategic in what we're gaining in our career so some women I'll take it back some women do it very well Mm-hmm. But those those are the women that you see have been able to navigate to the C-suite. Right. Right? Yeah. And so, and those sometimes do not have time to come back and give back. And I've heard that too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is a true, true known fact. So um, again, it's about being strategic, changing your mindset, getting what you need and um, moving on. Yeah. Moving on. Because they do it. it. They do it all the time. They're like, I'm going to be here for two years. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to gain this person. I'm going to do that. And I'm out of here. And then they go on to the next position and get $30,000 more a year or $20,000 more a year to negotiate that. So we have to learn how to be strategists uh, as well. And um, education only takes us so far. So, yeah, agreed. I love the, and, I love and, these insights. Give us more, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> it does, right? Education will only take us so far. It's not the end-all, be-all. Um, I was very successful in my HR career in the beginning without a four-year college degree. I was mm-hmm. able to double my salary without a college degree in HR. Now, a lot of people are not able to do that, but I was able to, uh, you know, I was very big on, and I hate to say it, but it's true. I did a lot of code switching very early in my career. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it is what it is. I really did. Now, did I know I was code switching? No, <laughs> I just felt like I felt that's what I I had to be a certain way and act a certain way and look a certain way in order for me to to navigate my to career. And yeah. I right, and I put more emphasis on my skill sets and things like that because I didn't have the four year education. And there's a reason why I didn't have that college education because it, it was kind of stripped away from me early on. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of used other resources to try to to create this success for myself in this lane that I didn't know I was going to be in. I, I mean, HR was not on my things, things to become or be or industry to be in early on. Yeah. I don't want to poke, but I do want to know for those, for those who are listening, who don't have a four-year degree, or maybe they're on their in route and they want to be aggressive with pushing the limits is how much they can make. What are some tips that you can give them outside of code switching and dressing the part that you think were instrumental in you getting, you know, double your salary? Because for me, I mean, I I just, my parents out the womb were like, you're going to college, you're going to get a master's degree. Like, that's right. it, you know? But I think, <laughs> to, to your point, I think there's other things that you need to be cultivating to know how to land the job, but also oh, how to get there are, so There are other variations of things. So um, for me, I, I did, you know, I did play the part in terms of, you know, looking looking a certain way and speaking mm-hmm. a certain way didn't know I was code switching just felt like I, that's what I had to do to kind of get ahead um and I still was Sherry in a, in a way 
I wasn't really off the cuff so beaten bad that when you saw me on the street, you were like, who was that? <laughs> you know, it was still part of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you do have to put more emphasis on um, making sure that you, it, one of the things you can do is create more visibility for yourself within your organization. Your yeah. Right. And that's something I was very um, savvy at doing was creating more visibility for myself and some of the organizations and networking too. So, um, and I'm a good relationship builder. So I was able to have some of those relationships. Now, some of the things that um, I came across were happened to be um, by chance. Some things were, but the other thing was I was very strategic in the career jobs I had that I said yes to. Nice. Talk about that. Just like, yeah, because I strategic, go ahead. Yeah, because I didn't have a degree, so I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply for this job, or if I get that job, that's going to help to give me this skill set, or as a recruiter, it shows that I can recruit for this particular industry or this one, and then that way, they can see that I was really trying to make myself more marketable. Really? And then something I was doing back, back then, that it, it wasn't hot then, but it's popular now, and I did a lot of contract work. Because contract work gives you an opportunity to gain skill sets in areas that you may not necessarily be able to have otherwise. So I was able to get opportunities doing contract HR work, which helped to gain my experience, which opened other doors. And so I was able to negotiate my salary because I was getting higher pay as a contractor. So when I was taking the full-time roles, I could negotiate for higher salary based on what I was getting as a contractor. Nice. You really gained the system. Nice. Mm -hmm. So it's about, it's about being smart and and being strategic. And so, and here's the thing I want your viewers to know, just because you do not have a four year degree does not mean that you are less than someone who has. I know a lot of people who are highly educated and I'm like, how did you get that degree? (laughs) I mean, really? No, it's Um, true. It's true. And I, you know, you, because someone who doesn't have a four year degree doesn't mean they don't have talents and skills or gifts that are special and that they can make a difference with. Yeah, absolutely. I think people need to hear that over and over and over again, even in light of, you know, statistically black women having a lot of education. I have found like that there are friends of mine, male or female, they didn't finish their, this degree or whatever. It's, you can still get out in the workplace and compete and be marketable. You know, it's like, Yes. Yeah. You can still go out there. And that's why you see companies now put, um, you know, degree or equivalent. Yeah. Because they know that if they know that there are adults out there who may not have the education, but definitely have the skill set and are very savvy at what they do without it. And you don't, you really do not, you do not need it for validation, but a degree does a couple of things. It does help you. It does help to create more opportunities, right? For yeah. you in terms of opportunities. It definitely can help to increase your salary or negotiate for higher salary. It does add value in those particular ways. Yeah. What it cannot give you is the experience. You have to find that. You got to create that. that. You got to create that. Yeah. Um, And now if you're smart enough, someone who even has maybe 70, 80 hours of education and may not finish, that's enough for an employer to say, well, you've got, you have your education. So we'll consider that. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Wow. I just gave you a trick to the trade. <laughs> you, you've given us the game. You've given us the cheat sheet over here, and I appreciate it. So I have some other questions to ask you or 
just along your journey, what have been some key personal aha moments, not just pre-BCWN, but after forming BCWN? Like, what have been some thought patterns that you're like, I have got to help change not only my mindset, but mindset of other women, because I noticed this is a trend of women having this thought pattern. What are some aha moments that you could share with us? I think one of the aha moments that I saw was the uh, the lack of of women who really do not understand how to network or how to gain a professional network or something as simple as even the value of a LinkedIn profile. And I know that may sound a little simple, right? But it's true. No, I think um, it's I think you're spot on. Yeah, I think that about not really seeing the value in building a strong network in, in, and really building a strong network or a name for themselves in their own industry and what the value can be in that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in this day and age, you need to be connected to your industry. People need to know who you are in your industry because that's how you find your next opportunity. Right. Um, if you're if you're doing such a bang up job for the company that you work for now and they close the doors tomorrow Come on. and then here you are in this industry and no one knows you, they're like, okay, well, yeah, you work for Procter Gamble for five, 10, 12 years or whatever, but no one else knows no you. No one knows you. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing. That's good. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have one major question and then we go into rapid fire questions so you ready for the major question okay what's your professional opinion on how to restart your career and i let me give you some more context i started this year off doing career coaching with women who are in the middle of transitioning they realize you know what i started off in this career i don't like it anymore it no longer serves me i feel depleted and i want to change and so i've I've been endeavoring with serving women in that capacity of, of transitioning but part of this, the reason for this podcast is really to allow for okay. other career coaches to talk about your opinion on how to transition well, right? How do you restart your career? Can you hear me? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think I can only go off of what it was like for me. And I think for me, it was when I got to the place where I was burnt out and didn't know what I wanted to do, I came across coaching as a kind of, I, it was kind of, I would say divine, so to speak. Yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about it, but when, um, I, you know, I was working a job fair and, and a lady came up to my table and she said, Oh, I, you know, we're looking for community partners. And I thought, well, that's one of my things for my annual review. Let me go ahead and partner with her, you know? And then she came to meet with me and she started talking about what they do. And I said, Oh my God, I want to do that. That's what I want to do next. And so it just kind of like came. So I, my best advice to specifically women who are burnt out, I've been there and they don't know what's next. Trust your gut. What does your core say? What is your core telling you? What are you drawn to? Yeah. What is something that you've always wanted to do that you've put aside because you either got married, had kids, had a family or you know, maybe just, you just put it aside for whatever reason, fear or um, maybe insecurity because you're like, well, that's not going to work. Well, now is the time to to maybe revisit that, you know, and see how you can change that course of your, your, your life with taking it and making it into something that is gratifying and satisfying and you can make money doing it or make a living doing it. Yep. Uh, trust your gut you know follow your core um and do not be afraid to do that and um 
my biggest thing don't share it with everybody because not everybody's going to see the same vision they're not going to yeah. see it the same way you do yeah. if you say i'm leaving my job because i'm tired i'm burned out they're like girl don't leave that job you got benefits you got you know you've been there for 15 years and you got three kids to feed you know and yeah. they may not to and so they may talk you out of it but for sure. at the end of the day you have to feel the joy nice of who you are and i think that's you oh, have to fill that up that's so good <laughs> i think there's a there's a bit of, of women especially those of us who have kind of flocked to corporate american careers um mm -hmm. that have given up or lost sensitivity to our joy you know like things that we we would do for work but we didn't because we didn't think we could make money doing it and so it's like, mm -hmm. can I trust that to make money? But we never cultivated it, right? We never, we never took it through. So I just appreciate you affirming, like, people, we've got to trust our gut. You know, revisit the yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and, and visit the why. Because you may be burned out, but it could be you still love the work, but you're tired of working 15 hours. Or nice. you love the work, but maybe not for this company anymore. Or right. maybe you want to continue to do the work, but now you want to do it as a consultant so you can have freedom to do what you want. Exactly. So you really need to think about the why and figure that out first. True. Thank you, Sherry. All right. You ready for rapid fire questions? These yes. questions are baseline questions. They are not to be, they're not riddles. They're not enigmas. They're just baseline questions that I think any career coach should be able to answer and can answer and probably has answered in many ways, shape or form. Okay. So I'm ready. <laughs> nine questions. Number one. What's your best tip on improving your networking skills? Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, actually going to networking events, getting out and going. Nice. At least at least three times a month at least. Nice. Number two, best advice on finding a new job. Oh goodness. Best advice, um, expanding your network. Mm -hmm. You know, asking who you know. Exactly. Um, utilizing your LinkedIn. Hey, network. Nice. Hey. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Number three, best tip on personal branding. Oh, goodness. Um, I'll always offer thought provoking, um, engaging conversation on blogs, nice. uh, podcasts, nice. articles. Yes. Um, you know, just, you know, offer your, offer your opinions. Offer your thoughts and opinions. I love it. I love it. That helps me a lot. Number four, best strategy on crushing an interview. Confidence. Ooh. And knowledge of who you're going to, who you're interested in working for. Learning, nice. learning with the company, who the company is. Yeah. yeah. Any, I want to poke at that. Confidence. How, how would you encourage someone to build their confidence for an interview, so to speak? Okay, say it again, say it one more time. <laughs> sure. How would you encourage someone to build their confidence in preparation for an interview? I think if you are if you are knowledgeable about what you do and you um, are good at good at it and you're serious about building this career or just going in really knowing knowing the job itself. If you read the job description and you know what and that's basic fluff, right? Yeah. Job descriptions are basic fluff. Yeah. So if you if you know that you have what it takes to do the job, then you go in and say what you can what you can do and what you can offer. So right. you have to go in and be just be confident that you have what it takes to do the role. And if you're take if you're in, in, interviewing for a job where it's a little bit of a stretch, mm -hmm. then that can probably that can probably cause a little insecurity because you know you're not right. Yes, <laughs> true, true. 
True, yeah, true. so you definitely just need to, and you need to have confidence overall. For it's sure. You, you're going to survive, right? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. All right, number five, best advice on negotiating a salary? Um, know your market, mm-hmm. right? Um, don't divulge too much. Uh, make sure you have, state the facts. And don't be afraid to ask for more. I always say at least ask for twenty five hundred to five thousand more for if you are a mid level career. C suite typically asks for ten, right? Yeah. So know where you are, and then and listen to the conversation. We could talk about this for a while. It's a game, but if you're listening to the to the hiring manager recruiter when they if they ask for your salary, you always give what you really want, and then you wait and see if they come back at. If they if they come back at your bit at your minimum, then you ask for the maximum of what you at what your range was from the beginning, and nice. they'll probably meet you halfway. Nice, 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 nice. So, best tip you ever heard about career success? I'll repeat that. What's the best tip you ever heard about career success? Okay, I'm now. We get to the end, and now my computer wants to start acting up. Can you say oh, it one no. more time? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> What is the best tip you ever heard about career success? The best tip I've ever heard? Yep. Oh, wow. Um, best tip I've ever heard about career success. You know what? I think the validation yeah. that you do not need. Yeah. I think the validation is the best, best tip I've ever heard. Nice. And yeah. what, what, what success quote or song motivates you the most? Oh, and I meant to say not needing validation. So women won't, so no, no. Oh, my bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. So the you best tip you've ever heard on yeah. career success is not needing validation. Yeah, you do not need validation. Yes. Nice. Good yeah. to clear that up. Good to clear that up. Number seven, what's the best song or success quote that motivates you? Oh, um, wow. Um, well, I have two. Mm-hmm. I have one that I play that motivates me to say, you got to go get this money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a rap song by, rap rap song? Connection. it's called, it's called Chatter by Westside Connection, which is one of Ice Cube's groups. I love okay. that song. And I have to say this, it's, um, don't worry about your time zone, homie, get your grind on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Everybody and has to have something. I know. And that's why I put these questions here. It's like, I just do. to hear. It's just a, a, a great motivating song, I think. Um, working hard, making your money. And then um, another song that I play a lot, because being in the entrepreneur space, you know, sometimes things you can't control certain things. And so one of my favorite songs is Janet Jackson's Control. Control. Um, just kind of... <laughs> Yeah, it's an old school song, but you know, and I hate to say it, I'm, I'm giving my age now, but no, you're fine. You know, that song came out the same year I graduated from high school, and that was my anthem. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. And so um, I play that from time to time, and The Pleasure Principle, because they still, to me, are very relevant songs. And in this mm-hmm. entrepreneurial space, you need control, and you got to just kind of want to do it your way, you know? Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, which is a perfect segue to question number eight. What would be your personal idea of success? Personal idea of success for you? Um, freedom and fulfillment. Nice. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, 
freedom. And it's not about coming, going as you please, but being able to use the gifts that God has given you to your 100% capacity. And I say that because of people like Michael Jackson to me, who could use their gift to the highest power. You know what I mean? And so to me, it's like, wow. I look at him and think, you really have maximized the gift God has given you. Right. That's that's, that's it. Yeah. An example of that. Yeah, for sure. And then the last question is, what book Mm -hmm. would you recommend to the She Ventures tribe and why? I would recommend, I was going to see if I could grab it, but it's not over here. And for, I would say for working women in um, corporate America, there is a book by T.D. Jakes called um, The Ten Commandments of Working in a Hostile Environment. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Say more. Say more. more. And the reason why I'm suggesting this book, because it does three things. Well, it did three things for me when I read it the first time. It gives you a different perspective on the workplace and why you're there. Yeah. It gives you a different perspective of who you need to be while you're there. Wow. And then it gives you a perspective of what you should be doing while you're there. Wow. Yeah. And a couple of those things, if, if anyone who has an ego and you read that book, you're going to be checked. Because <laughs> wow. it will put it will help you to put things in perspective. And once you once you read the book and then you recognize, wow, this is why I'm really here. And it humbles you because... God gives you gifts and my philosophy, and, and it, this helped me to, to mold my philosophy on work in, mm-hmm. in terms of, in outside the biblical sense of we are in, we are supposed to be in these spaces at work to exercise the gifts God has given us and we supposed to and get paid to do it. Yeah. Bottom sure. line. Yeah. As simple as that. We are supposed to find jobs that will allow us to exercise our gifts and talents and get paid to do it. That's why God gives us the gifts. Yeah. You know, that's why he gives us those gifts. Agreed. It has been (laughs) such a pleasure, Sherry. Such a pleasure interviewing (laughs) you. I am so incredibly honored, but also stoked for anyone else who's going to be listening to this podcast. Um, Why don't you share some of your social media handles so anyone who's interested in hearing more about you, showing up to your events, or just uh, connecting online can connect with you. Yes, um, you can find, well, first of all, BCW Network, well, BC, Black Caribbean's Network, you can find it at bcwnetwork.com. Mm-hmm. Um, BCW Network is our handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, same handle everywhere. And then um, my handle is BCW Network CEO. Mm-hmm. And that's, you can find that on Twitter and also on Instagram. And then just plain Sherry Sims on LinkedIn or on Facebook. Perfect. Thank you so very much. Really appreciate your time. So I, I want to leave your, your, your listeners for, with one quote. Go for it. And this quote has been very inspiring to me for many years. Is the life God gave you is larger than the life you've been living. Mm-hmm. So God gives us all special gifts, talents and gifts. And it's our job to discover what those gifts are and use those gifts and talents to work in our purpose. Okay, now. This podcast episode has been brought to you by People's Insurance Services, where protecting is caring. If you're looking for competitive rates for your auto, home, or commercial insurance needs in Florida, 
call 954-733-8500. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher.